Um, it's good to be here this morning. I'm Brian Robinson. I'm on staff here at church. And um, we've been talking about this past few weeks being uh, this, this series on disqualified or pre-qualified for credit card. I don't know. It's qualified. It's like we're, we're qualified. And today I'm talking about basically this, this next step, essentially, like what are we qualified for? Like what has God qualified us? We are wounded healers. We've talked about how we're broken. God doesn't care about that. Our brokenness is what qualifies us to love the lost. And so we'll, we're talking about that this morning. Let me pray for us as we get started. God, thank you for this morning's worship. We pray, God, that you just come, open your word to us, Lord. Open your heart to us, Lord. Open the love that you have for the lost to us, Lord. God, I pray you just awaken love in us, Lord. Remind us again of what it felt like to not know you and what it means to know you now. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the mission of the church. What is the mission of the church? Not just this church, but the church. What's the purpose of the existence of the church? This past year, a year ago, almost to the day, I spoke about going to Puerto Rico and meeting this woman down there named Mirabel. I saw the devastation of the hurricanes, and my heart just broke. And I spoke about how we have to respond as a church, and we did. We went to Puerto Rico last summer with 30-plus people. And that set me on a journey, really, in the past year of how do we as a church respond with acts of love, acts of mercy, acts of evangelism to the lost and broken of our world. You know, originally, we were, we were planted in, in downtown you know, area, in Lackawanna area, at City Rescue Mission. That was, our, that was our, our location right there, 14 years ago. And we were surrounded by tremendous need. We had people coming off the street who were, who were addicted or prostitutes. They were the poor around us. And we were surrounded by need that we had to address. You couldn't just sit there and not do anything. So we were put in that place, and we responded. We had the share shop, and we had mentoring, and, and Hollybrook, and birthday parties, and street corner, which still happens now. It's amazing. But as we left that place and we came here seven, eight years ago, whatever it was, maybe nine years ago now, we, f- we can forget what we came from, right? The need isn't as dramatic around us, and we're not in the midst of that. And so over the years, to be honest, we've struggled with this. We've struggled with loving the lost and loving the broken because they're not, in, they're not just sitting in the neighborhood next to us necessarily. And so my challenge this morning, it's a, it's a, it's a heavy one. It's on my heart. This past year, I've felt like we as a church, this is one of our pillars. It's our, it's our third pillar. We have four pillars, by the way. There's four pillars. First one is, is uh, encountering the Father heart of God. The second one is living in the power of the Spirit. The third one is the kingdom mission of Jesus. That's, that's, that's loving the world around us. And so this past year, I've met with local ministers and missionaries and ministry leaders, and I've spent a lot of time trying to pray and discern how do we as a church plug into things. Because I can't just get up here and say, do something. You know, I could do that, I guess. I could. But we have to, we have to offer practical ways of us as a church saying, okay, this is what I feel I want to step into, and, and offer things for you as, a, as the body to do to step into practically to love those around us in Jacksonville as well as the world. And so for us just to say, get out there and do it, church, go for it. It's, it's a little bit, it's a little bit um, unrealistic, honestly. And so 
this past year, I've been like trying to discern, God, what do you want our church to do? What do you want us to step into now in this, in this season? Street Corner is going strong. It's amazing. We've partnered with One Love Christian Fellowship, Artie Brown there. It's an amazing ministry. It's a simple thing. You walk, you walk in there, you serve the poor, you pray for the neighborhood. It's a powerful ministry that anyone can do. And we are trying to continue to offer more that we believe that God has called us to in this city. We're called to the city. We're called to love Jacksonville. We're called to love the world. We're called to be salt and light. The mission of the church is to love the world. It's the overarching great commission. Every gospel talks about it. Let me read a few verses. The one we all know, Matthew 28 and 19. Jesus said, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Mark 16, verse 15. He said to them, Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole, whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Every gospel has a great commission. Luke 24, 46. He said to them, Thus it's written, The Messiah is to suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance and forgiveness of sins is to be preached, to be pro- proclaimed in, the, in his name to all nations, beginning in Jerusalem. John 20, verse 21. He said to them, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I'm sending you. And when he said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. And lastly, Acts 1.8, considered to be the fifth gospel in a sense, the book of Acts. But you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. The mission of, our, the, mission of the church, the overarching mission of the church, is to be a light to the world. To realize that apart from Christ, apart from Christ, you guys, there's hopeless Emptiness, brokenness, bondage, and ultimately hell. Apart from Jesus, there is no hope. We have to understand that, you guys. Do you remember what it was like to not know Jesus? Do you remember the emptiness, the brokenness, and the bondage? Maybe you have that this morning because you don't know him. But it's real. It's, it's real. And the purpose of this church is not simply to get healed and to get filled and to get whole and to sit here. It's to get healed and to get filled, to be poured out, to be a reflection to the lost and the broken of our city. It's real. It's the truth, you guys. Like, he has more than just the importance of getting healed is huge. The importance of getting filled by the Spirit is amazing. We're an evangelical, charismatic church. Not one or the other. We're both. And so my heart breaks. My heart breaks knowing that that's our DNA. And we've maybe forgotten that a little bit. And the Lord's calling us back. I feel like in this season of transition, the Lord's reminding us of who we really are. That's, that's, I'll be honest. That's what he's doing. As Antley steps out of leaving, Antley, Antley had a heart for that years ago. He still does. But the reality is the Lord is raising the bar. He's raising the bar to us this morning and to us in this season to say, will you step into loving the lost? Will you step into what I have called this church to be 14 years ago? This burns in my heart. And I know this may not be where some of you are. I know some of you are here, are you here and you're just like, oh man, I don't, I don't hear another talk about evangelism. I came from such and such Baptist church or such and such Catholic or whatever it may be. I don't want to hear talk about evangelism or the lost. Or I, don't, I don't want to hear that right now. That's okay. God still has something for you this morning. But we're called to be a light. And so this whole series on disqualified is about us being qualified in our brokenness, in our woundedness. We have something, something to offer the world. No matter how broken you are, how lost you may feel at times, you're qualified because of the grace of Jesus in you. 
This story from John 6 is powerful to me. It's a story about um, the five loaves and two fish. We all probably know the story about Jesus feeding the 5,000. Uh, I want to read the story. And um, theologians say that there were probably more like 10,000 people there because they count just 5,000 men. So if they were, half were married, had kids, there's probably 10,000 people in this crowd in John 6. Let's read it. Verse 1. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. A great crowd followed him because they saw the signs he had performed, healing the sick. He went up on a mountainside. He sat down with the disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. He looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what, was going to ha- what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one just to have a bite. Another one of the disciples said, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. How far will go among so many? Jesus said, have him sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. They sat down. About 5,000 men were there. He took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces left over, let nothing be wasted. They gathered them and filled the baskets, filled 12 baskets with pieces of the barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign he had performed, they said, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. It's an amazing story. All the Gospels talk about it. Only this Gospel mentions the little kid, interestingly. Jesus is teaching, and supposedly 10,000 people come out to see him because he'd been doing miraculous signs. And so they, they thought this could be the prophet we're waiting for, this could be the Messiah we're waiting for. They come, and they see him, and they hear him teach, and naturally they're hungry. And Jesus, in, in the Gospel of Mark, it says he sent the disciples out to get food, to see what food there is. And they came back with nothing. That's hard to believe. 10,000 people had no food. All those moms with those little baby bags for their kids didn't bring any food. They had food. They just didn't give it to the disciples. Only the little boy maybe snuck it from mom. Look, mom. And he grabs a fish and runs over to Jesus. Only the little boy. 10,000 people, this little boy is the only one that can say, I trust him. He's going to do something with it. I'm not sure what he's going to do. But this little boy goes and grabs the fish and the loaves and brings it to Jesus. 10,000 people, and they kept it to themselves. I can imagine the disciples walking around, and he said, nope, nope, fresh out, nothing here. Really? 10,000 people? You guys traveled for days, you didn't bring any food for your kids. You have a two-year-old over here, Mom. Nothing? No, powdered milk maybe later, but you know. It's hard to believe. Of course they had food. They just didn't trust Jesus with it. Of course they had some, but they kept it for themselves. But the boy went to Jesus, and, and only the boy experienced the miracle of that little gift and Jesus multiplying it and making it a miracle for 10,000 people. Only that boy in all of history will know what it's like to give what little he had to watch the master make a miraculous result and feed 10,000 people. All those folks who had the little snacks, they ate the food, whatever, they got blessed. But they didn't experience what he experienced. And that's what we do, folks. We have our little bit that we want to hold on to, our free time and our hobbies and our interests. And sometimes we say, Jesus is like, can you just trust me with it? Can you just trust me with your five loaves and two fish? I want to multiply your efforts. You think you have nothing to offer. 
You think you don't have enough time. You think you don't have the gifting. You think you don't have the calling. You think you don't have the skills. You think you don't have the money. You think you don't have whatever may be that your excuse may be the enemy wants you to believe. He's saying, just come to me with your two fish and your five loaves, and I'm going to do a miracle. I was in Puerto Rico last week. I go once a year for like, for like this uh, annual surf trip with some guys um, from our church. And, um, and I was down there and I was, I was surfing. And uh, you, sometimes you start off a day, you know it's going to be a bad day. You just, you just know. And this is one of those days where I, the first thing I did is I stepped on an, a sea urchin as I was, as I was going out into, this, into the water. And not on the side of my foot. So I didn't like, it wasn't terrible. So I got the sea urchin on my foot. And then I get paddled out in the water. And then I, the first, this is really true, you guys. The first wave, the first wave I take, I begin to drop in. I hit a sea turtle with my surfboard. There is not 10 million surfers in the world that have done this. There's not one, not, out of 10 million, not one have done this. I mean, I mean, it's crazy. I hit a sea turtle. I'm dropping in. There's a turtle. I'm like, what are you doing there, dude? Bong. I, and I just go flying off my board like a, I had a speed bump. It was like... What the heck? People, people thought I was crazy. What happened to that guy? His, his board just stopped. He kept going because it was a sea turtle. What are the chances? I'm like, I probably should just go in right now and just call it a day. Call it a day. But I didn't. I stayed out there. And uh, here's a picture of the, the waves we were, we, were, uh, we were surfing. Yeah. Actually, that's, that's, Dan, that's Danny Domingo, not me, actually. Go, 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 to, the, go to the next one. Maybe the next one. That's still Danny, actually. Next one. That's still Danny. Okay. Next one. Next one, me, me, me. That's me right there. Yeah, that's me. Yeah, that was at the, at, at the airport. Our shuttle was late, so I made some money playing guitar. So, anyway, so I, I, pat, I stay out in the water, and I'm like, what am I doing out here? And so, and there's, and there's the waves are huge, as you can see. There's those huge waves. I'm out there in the water. You can take a picture off me now. It's getting embarrassing. Okay. Um, anyway, so. There's these two girls out there, little, like, 10-year-old, 12-year-old girls out there surfing. I couldn't believe it. So I thought, I'm just going to just hear their story. I, I paddle over, and I asked them where they're from. And they're surfing these, you know, eight, nine-foot waves. There's huge waves, and these two girls that weigh, like, 80 pounds. And so they're, they're out there by themselves. I'm like, what are they doing out here? And so I just asked them. They're from New Jersey, and they, they just come surfing every, all the time. They surf big waves and, with, with their dad in the cold weather. And I thought the Lord said, just tell them about me. And I was like... No way. This is so weird, Lord. It's weird. I'm surfing. I'm a 40-some-odd-year-old guy. It's a 40-some-odd-year-old guy. And I'm, like, going to tell a 12-year-old about, about Jesus. It looks weird. It sounds weird. It's been a bad day already. You got the urchin going on, the sea turtle. <laughs> and so I don't say anything. I keep talking to her, kind of making small talk to get around to something, but I never do. And I take a wave, and I fall. And I'm like, oh, okay. That's what I, I, fall. I fall once in a while. Fall again. Then I fall again. Ten stinking times. I keep falling. What are you telling me, Lord? I'm like, you're trying to get my attention? I'm, I'm not a bad surfer. I mean, I'm not as good as Danny Domingo. But I was surfing pretty well. But now this day has gone from bad to worse. I'm like falling, getting a concussion here on 10-foot waves. And I thought, gosh, I just won't. And I never told her. I just paddled away. I never told her after falling ten times. I just paddled in. Next, next wave, paddle in. Just forget it. I just kind of gave up. And I never told her. And I say that because we have fear, don't we? We have these, these irrational fears. Like, what is she going to do? Like, cuss me out or something? Or what is she going to do? Beat me up if I tell her Jesus loves her? But I have these irrational fears like I look like a weirdo or, or she's going to ask a question I can't answer or she's going to yell at me or whatever it is. Like, 
God had put me in that moment just to be love to her, just, just, to, just to say, you're amazing. God made you with this amazing gift to surf 10-foot waves, and I can't catch one. I got sea urchins on my foot. But I chickened out. And we do sometimes, the fear of man, the fear of rejection, the fear of not having the right answer, all that stuff operates in our hearts sometimes. And we are put in a place, in a moment, in divine moments that have real ramifications. I want to I emphasize that. It, they do have real ramifications. When God puts you in a moment and we don't respond, there's real consequences. God says, pray for this person for healing. We don't pray. They're not going to get healed, most likely. Heidi Baker in Africa, 10, 12 years ago, planted, began planting churches in Mozambique. She was called to this place. Poorest country in the world. 8,000 churches she's planted in, in 10, 12 years. 8,000 churches. Hundreds of thousands of converts. People coming to Christ healings, everything, miracles. Her daughter gets raped in the first or second year she's there. What if she just said, I'm done. See you later. Sorry, God. Those people, there, wouldn't, there would not be 8,000 churches right now. Had she simply said, that's enough. My daughter's been raped. I'm done. See you later. She had the freedom to say no. But she said yes. And hundreds of thousands of people we're affected by that. We have the same freedom every day to say no. I said no to that girl. And it has ramifications. I know that sounds heavy. That may mess with your theology a little bit. But those churches would not have been planted in Africa had she not said yes. I'm sorry, it's the truth. God never ordains and plans the ends without planning the means. And you're the means. I'm the means. The church is the means to the world being saved. It's his, it's his plan A. It's his, it's his only plan. That he saved his son to fill us with his spirit to be a light to the world. A light to the world. So we are offering, and this is like an exposure moment. We're just going to offer events, one-time events, ongoing events, ways in which you as a church can plug in to loving the lost of our city. Whether it's street corner. Yesterday we had two city groups come and serve refugees lunch. If you have some pictures of that. Through Kim's open door. Last week we had the youth do it, but we have a ministry now to these refugees. There's 20 or 30 refugees that Kim's open door works with from, this, from throughout Jacksonville, but mainly in the uh, Spring Park area. These kids are from the Middle East, the Far East, they're from South America, and they come and she tutors them and she does arts with them and education with them and she has a gospel with them. And so she just needs churches to come and serve them lunch. And, that's, and slowly we'll begin, we'll begin doing some of that stuff with them, the, the tutoring and the arts and the education stuff. But it's simple. Twice a month we're going to do this. I would love if our city groups just talked about this this week because it's easier to do this as a group. It's, it's much harder to say, just go do it. Just go sign up in the lobby. Just go do this and sign up online. But if your city group says, how are we going to do this, you guys? Let, this week in your city group, talk about how are we going to love Jacksonville? How are we called to serve our city? How can this happen practically? How can we do this as a group? It can't just be Bible study and fellowship without some exposure, without some outward love of our city. I'm not trying to shame this on us. I'm trying to awaken us to who we really are. If you want to be first, it comes by being last. If you want to find your life, it comes through losing it. This is the truth of the gospel. You find life by losing it. And many of us think, I have to find all my life before I can lose it. But you find it on the way. You find it oftentimes the healing happens, the deliverance, the breakthrough happens on the way while you're serving the broken, while you're serving on a mission trip. 
So we're going to Honduras this summer, July 20th to 27th. We partnered with a ministry called His Eyes Ministries. And he's an amazing guy. He's been there for 15 years, planted four or five churches down there. He has an education program, a food program, a medical clinic. And he also has a coffee plantation. And ironically, he sells coffee to Vagabond Coffee here in town. I had no idea when I met the guy, but the chances, like, it's crazy. There's, like, this divine connection, this cool partnership beginning with this guy down there named Trevor. goes by Felipe, his Spanish name. But a mission trip to Honduras. And so that's, if you want to go, it's for, it's for youth and adults, July 20th, 27th. And I would love, to, you know, I would love if we, just like last year with Puerto Rico, had 30 people go on this trip. Next weekend, there's a conference called The Send. I want to show the video clip real fast because it kind of it finishes up the talk. It's basically a nationwide conference in Orlando put on by YWAM and Number Ministries. Lou Engel and Heidi Baker will be there and Bill Johnson and Bethel Worship and Francis Chan. And let's watch the video real fast if we have time for it, Kevin. What if the greatest revival in history was waiting on our yes? Imagine an entire generation activated into their evangelistic and missional calling. For starters, if every believer in America led just one person to Jesus this year, over 100 million people would come to faith. That's over one-third of the U.S. Research says that the church has 3,000 times the financial resources and 9,000 times the manpower to finish the Great Commission. That means we could finish the Great Commission in this generation. Now is our time for a new sending movement to see the church activated to their greatest days ever. That's why on February 23rd, we are gathering 60,000 believers from across the nation to Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida, believing that a tipping point of action could inspire an entire generation and usher in a new era of missions and evangelism for the world. So here's how we're going to do it. From now until the send, we are mobilizing the nation by holding pre-rallies in hundreds of high schools, universities, and churches, and mobilizing thousands of volunteers to leverage their social following and gather their circle of influence. During the gathering, we are believing for three things. Number one, unprecedented action. For tens of thousands of commitments to adopt one of four mission fields, high schools, colleges, neighborhoods, and the nations. Number two, a culture shift. For every believer who attends to be activated and equipped to live the lifestyle of Jesus in the truth of the word and through the power of the Holy Spirit wherever they go. Number three, historic commissioning. Finally, we are asking God for a double portion on a whole generation. That what a few walked in in the past, many would live out in the present. Everyone has a part to play and every voice is needed. Join this historic effort by becoming a send rep or volunteering on the day of the event. Find out more and register today at thesend.org. So it's a one-day event next Saturday morning. It's two hours away. starts at, I believe, 10 a.m. till 9 p.m. Simple event. I'm not big on pep rallies for Jesus, honestly. I'm not big on getting hyped up for Jesus. But I believe if God is mobilizing people that we need to respond. And so I feel like I just want to present that to you guys. We have, we're taking our high schoolers down there. But I believe the Lord is awakening this generation. This generation wants a mission. They really do. They want to live for something. They want something besides just the American dream. They know it doesn't work. The millennials know it doesn't work. They, they, they're hungry for living for something greater than themselves, but it's not being offered to them. And so this conference is a simple way. What, you know, the, the, the key line is there, what if the greatest harvest was waiting on our yes? What if the greatest harvest was waiting on our Yes. Whatever that, whatever that yes may mean for you, I don't know what it is. Your five lives and two fish, I don't, I don't know what it is. 
But the Lord, I believe, is, is, is calling our church to partner with other churches, other ministries, to not be an island, but to be partnering and be about the kingdom of God in Jacksonville and in the earth. And so we're going to offer these events. You can go online. There's a sheet right you have in front of you right here, refugees, local outreach, global outreach. These are the things we're doing. I'm kind of out of time. The last thing I want to mention is a ministry that's happened here at our church in the last several months. God's raising a people in our church in the midst of all this desire for outreach to meet the need. So Anais Santos, she's one of our amazing members, that she is felt called to reach out to her home nation of Venezuela. It's been in chaos for five, six, seven years now. Civil war, starvation, all kinds of just terrible things happening in Venezuela. And so she has single-handedly basically created a ministry that will reach 350 kids she's partnering with back in her home uh, state of Margarita. Some of the kids she's partnering with. She's basically what she's doing is she is sending supplies, whether it's money, clothes, food, medicine, to five or six churches that she's partnering with to distribute the food to kids. She's feeding kids literally on a daily basis now. Almost single-handedly, she's created this ministry, you guys. This is incredible. And I feel like she's part of our family. Let's get behind what God has called her to do to support her in this effort. So for the next two weeks, she'll be in the lobby. You can give her supplies. You can go to the Dollar General store and buy toothpaste and toothbrushes and diapers and bring her those supplies, and she'll ship those down to Venezuela. You can give her uh, financial support. The point is, God is awakening people in our church, and we're going to stand with them in this calling to love the, the nation and the world. It's a simple thing. So she'll be out there. It's called Builders for You. It's an amazing thing. I would love if our church took on a whole village, 50 kids, 50 kids for a year, 30 bucks a month basically per person. It's not much. We can support a whole village. And then a few years from now, we take a, we take a trip down there and see those kids we, we, we sponsor. That would, be, that would be amazing. be amazing when, when it's safer and everything down there. It's going to get better. Graham Cook says, he is not seeking a powerful people to represent him. He's looking for those who are weak and foolish and despised. And he inhabits them with his own strength to love the lost. Let's stand. Carl Henry said, the gospel is only good news if it gets to them in time. The gospel is only good news if it gets to them in time. And Oswald Smith said, we talk of the second coming of Christ, but most of the world has never heard of the first coming. 2.5 billion people have never heard the name of Jesus. That should break our hearts. Do you remember what it was like to not know Jesus Christ? Do you remember the bondage, the fear, the emptiness? You were doomed without him. This is not a self-help gospel, you guys. You are called to be light to people who are in true darkness, destined for hell. That's, that's the reality. It's the biblical truth. The gospel is the best news in history. You were, you were broken, lost, and you were powerless and a sinless, blameless, perfect man, the Son of God, died in your place in a death you and I deserved. This is the gospel, the greatest news in history. How can we contain it? We have the cure for spiritual cancer, and we don't tell people. We have the cure for cancer, spiritually, death. And I'm afraid to tell a 12-year-old girl, God have mercy on us. 
I'm not trying to shame us. I'm trying to awaken us. If you feel shame, just let it go. But if God's Spirit is convicting you this morning, just receive it and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Let go of the fear of man. Let go of the fear of rejection. Let go of the excuses. Let go of the time stuff. Let go of the money stuff. Just respond with your five loaves and two fish. Let's pray. Father of Jesus, send us, Lord. Send us, Lord. Send us, Lord, I pray. This is who we are as a church. Fill us up to send us out. Fill us up to pour us out. Forgive us, Lord, for, for the excuses. Forgive, us, forgive me, God, for my excuses. We are wounded healers for you, Jesus. We don't have all the answers, but we have love. We have love.